Welcome to the Couples Healing Podcast, where you'll get the tools for him to overcome his addiction, for her to find healing from the pain that it causes her, and for you to heal your relationship and come back together. I hope that you enjoy and subscribe. Today, I want to talk about how to improve your sexual intimacy after there's been damage done by a pornography addiction. And as you know, this is obviously such a sensitive part of a relationship, and it can be very difficult to navigate this even without a bunch of damage being done. So after there is damage, it can be really, really hard to try to figure out how to heal. How can this be a connecting part of the relationship? Because when pornography is discovered in a relationship, it really creates such internal pain and changes or amplifies and creates a negative view oftentimes in a wife of herself. And so there's lots of nuances with this and there's lots of things that we can talk about with this, but I wanted to share with you three ways that I've seen recently as I've been working with clients that have been really helpful for them and just pass this along for you. So the first situation, I want to share three situations and then give you three tips that you can implement. So situation number one, the impact, like I just referenced, is so often that now during intimacy, a wife will get triggered. And what happens oftentimes is, I was working with somebody recently and she said, you know, I got triggered, we were having sex, and then I just shut down, then I got angry, and then I brought up everything that he had done in the past, and then we got into this big fight. And so I wanted to understand, and this is gonna be the, the, the strategy that I would recommend to all of you is, First, number one, understand what's happening internally. When a wife is feeling triggered, my question to her was, what images are you seeing? What's being replayed on the screen of your mind when a trigger shows up? And she said, I just replay all of the stuff that I know he's watched. I replay all of the things that I've you know, heard him tell me when we had these conversations about, you know, about things. I just visualize all this stuff that he's seeing. And the key part of this right here is what she says next, I can't compare. I can't compare to these other women. I feel like I'm not enough. I feel like I'm not desirable enough. I'm not attractive enough. I don't hold his attention as much. And that brings up this overwhelming pain and fear. And the fear is that it's not going to be, you know, him being with her isn't going to be interesting enough. And then ultimately he's going to turn back to the addiction. And so this is such a critical part of this. When people are struggling in this particular area, having these fears of not being enough and fear of him turning back to the addiction is, of course, completely in conflict with having a, a satisfying, connecting and fulfilling sexual relationship. Those two things cannot exist at the same time. And so for this first way, the most important thing in this particular moment, so, okay, there's a couple of things you can do. Number one, when she's triggered like this, what do you do? So ideally, the best thing that you can do is stop and have a conversation about those things. And I know that's not this like really romantic thing where, you know, the vision for intimacy that night is not, you don't anticipate stopping in the middle of it, crying, hurting, talking. I get all that. And the reality is that's how you heal. And so if there's a part of you that when you listen, you're like, oh, I don't know if I really want to do that or that's hard. While yes, it can be difficult to have hard conversations like that, that absolutely is the path to helping resolve those triggers. Because when she is in that moment feeling overwhelmed, that's when it's almost like the way that our brain works, 
is that when our fears and our feelings get activated, it's almost like the window is open to create change because you're in, you, you've activated those neural networks in the brain. So when they're alive is how you, how and when you can create change. The, the, the when is at that moment, the how is by having conversations that create new experiences, new feelings, new outcomes. And so what we're going for is understanding. We're going for uh, validation. We're going for reassurance. And so the best possible time to have those conversations is when the trigger is active. Because again, the neural networks in the brain are active. Therefore, there's so much you can do to help rewire and create a new experience, re-imprint the fears of the past. So what do you do in those moments? You have a conversation and ideally the thing that she shares is not, how could you have done this? What's wrong with you? Didn't you care about me? You, you never loved me. And those are oftentimes what I hear when I'm working with people in the very beginning stages of this, that's what they come in saying to each other. And that's not going to be the thing that helps you heal. In fact, it's, it's going to unintentionally keep you stuck because there's nothing he can say in that moment. The purpose, keeping in mind the principle, the purpose of that conversation is to create an atmosphere where you receive, I'm speaking to the women, where you receive comfort, understanding, validation, reassurance. Those particular things of sharing, you never loved me, that that doesn't bring any reassurance. It doesn't help you. It doesn't put him in a position where he can help you. And so the best thing that you can do, this is the, the tip, this is the strategy, is in the moment you're feeling triggered, really get clear about what the deepest fear is. And in that fear, whatever that is, that's what you share in a vulnerable way. You might say, you might say something like, Right now, as we're being intimate, I got so scared when I remembered what had happened in the past. I remembered what you watched. I got so scared that I'm not enough for you, that what we're doing is not interesting, that ultimately, because it's not interesting, you're going to turn back to the addiction and it's just going to devastate me again. Notice how different that share is from how could you have done this? You never loved me. And I get it. No judgment for me. Like, I totally understand. If a wife were to say those things, I would say the same things. Because how do you reconcile what happened with how you thought things were, right? There's, it's, it's very, very painful and it's so hard to make sense of it. And so I understand that. And this is a part of why I think couples can get stuck for so long is because without knowing the, t the tools and the strategies to really find healing, you're doing the best that you can. And so this is something that I often find comes up when I'm working with couples. So this is why I wanted to share this with you. So to summarize all of that, triggers are going to happen. In, in, and in order to heal and improve your intimacy together, to make it so where it's comfortable and safe and fulfilling and meaningful and connecting, working through the triggers, sharing how you feel vulnerably so that your husband can respond with compassion and understanding and validate how you feel and recognize, hey, you're right, you do feel triggered, and it is because I've done what I've done. That wasn't right. I shouldn't have done that. That wasn't fair to you. And then he can reassure you about how he actually feels towards you, whether that is how much he does love you or that you are enough for him. And in the beginning, those things might not land fully. 
they might not they might not bring the level of comfort that you're hoping and if that's the case that just means there's more work to be done which is okay but it just means there's things that haven't been resolved things that don't quite make sense yet things that still need to be talked through and having conversations together is the way to do that number two one of the situations or the reasons why intimacy feels like it's uh, why there's damage done when there's intimacy is because of the lack of safety. There's a fascinating study done where they took two groups of men and women and had them watch a show or look at a picture. I can't remember if it was like a, a, like a, a still frame or a, a, a video. But in this uh, study, as they were watching the screen, they subliminally flashed a, an erotic picture on the screen in the middle of them viewing it but they did it at two one-hundredths of a second. So consciously, your eyes can't see that. You're, you're, you're not able to catch that consciously, but unconsciously, the brain is continually tracking and receiving data. And even at two one-hundredths of a second, like a flash, the brain still picks up on the data. And then they monitored what happened in the brain when they saw that image. And they wanted to see the differences between men and women. And one of the key differences was that in women, not in men, but in women, the prefrontal cortex became activated. And so you'll say, well, what does that mean? Why is that relevant? So the prefrontal cortex is the part of the brain that is in charge of rational thinking, decision-making, long-term thinking. It's basically the part of our brain that separates us from animals. We can evaluate things and judge and decide critical think and the part of the brain that prefrontal cortex that became activated in women but it did not in men and so what's the takeaway from this well the researcher said that that indicates that in order for a woman to be intimate with a person in order for the body and the brain to be in alignment there must be safety she must feel a sense of safety and the reason why they say that that is, and it made sense as they described it, which is women carry the baby, right? They carry the brunt of the child rearing and child care. Historically, if you look over, you know, the course of however long we've been alive as human beings, over the course of millennia, the women are the ones who are in charge of taking care of the children. Their, their bodies are at risk in childbirth. That was such a dangerous thing. It still is dangerous, but not nearly as how dangerous it was without modern medicine. And so we've been created in a way that almost mandates a sense of safety for her to feel comfortable enough to be intimate, for her to let her walls down, for her to feel like it's okay. The brain evaluates and scans and has to make a decision, is this okay for me to do? Whereas men, that wasn't the case. And again, it makes more sense because men, there's not, that was, they, they had very, very different roles. You know, even nowadays, there's still gender roles, but even more so back then, hunters versus gatherers, child rearers, the ones who build the family. And so whenever, so what we do with this information now is recognize how critical safety is to a fulfilling, positive sexual experience. And so instead of us getting stuck there, 
and trying to push through, right? If a woman doesn't feel safe, but she's saying yes to having sex when she doesn't really want to, it causes more damage. It doesn't help the situation. And oftentimes when a woman does that, it's because of fear. If I say no, he's going to go find something somewhere else. But the reality is that Addictions are not a result of a high libido, a high sex drive that's not getting met. Addictions are a result of a coping mechanism. And sometimes in conversations with husbands and wives, especially early on, the husband might blame the wife and say, well, we're not having sex, therefore I'm turning to pornography because uh, I I need a release. He might say things like that. And in in the beginning, he might blame her and have that type of a conversation with her. But as you really get people into a more, as people become more and more aware of how they're feeling and why they're turning to it, when they become more accountable to what they're doing, I I don't know if I've literally ever heard somebody actually say at the root of the issue, this is why I turn to it. There are so many other pieces that contribute to it. And yes, they might justify it and say like, well, I need a physical release, so I'll go here. So that's why I do it. Really, there's so many more layers to this. And so again, I've done tons of episodes on what's driving this, what's underneath it, how do you address it? And so we won't go very deep into that here. But the thing that I want you to know is that safety is critical for the wife to be able to let her guard down so the husband can then be there for her differently. So or rather have a different experience with her husband where she can feel comfortable being intimate. So oftentimes when the walls are up, it's because there's not safety. Okay, so what do you do? How do you improve this? It's critical to focus on rebuilding trust and creating the safety. So often the reason why there's a breakdown, it reveals how you move forward. And the same thing is true with addiction, just as a quick sidebar. When somebody recognizes why they're turning to addiction, that's the, that's the key. It is, it, you can permanently find freedom from addiction when you address why it's happening. The same thing is true with regard to a sexual, sexual relationship. You can create a fulfilling, positive, connecting experience once you understand why you're not having that in the first place. And so if there's not safety, if she has her walls up, if she doesn't feel comfortable, if she's a fe- like afraid of judgment, if she feels like she's not enough, that overlaps with why the wall is up. And so what I would recommend is as you're reflecting on your intimate relationship, for the women, if you don't feel safe, again, that's okay right now, No meaning no judgment. What we do want to do is identify why. What specifically is creating the lack of safety? Is it that you do, I just listed a handful of things, reflecting on some of those, uh, if you feel like there is judgment there and you're not enough, that's where the conversation needs to take place. If you don't have any trust, then having a conversation about and implementing things that will help build the trust. And again, there's other episodes on that. Um, So this is how you can move forward in a different way is by addressing the source of the lack of safety and having conversations and putting in plans to help you achieve a sense of safety because that does not happen through time. Time alone doesn't heal this. Time, in fact, doesn't really do much. It's having active conversations. This is why people can heal. Sometimes people, it takes three to five years to heal. And very often it's because they're not addressing the reason why things are happening and and tackling at the core. It's more preventative measures. It's like, okay, well, we're not 
I don't feel comfortable having sex, therefore sex is off the table and we're not going to talk about this. That doesn't do anything. Sex being off the table doesn't solve anything. If somebody doesn't feel comfortable enough to have sex, that's okay. You can take it off the table. But if you want to heal that part of your relationship, doing that alone doesn't get you there. It's doing the work to address why there's the hurt there and why there are the triggers there. And if a wife says, I just can't, I just can't focus on intimacy right now. We need to focus on the triggers. Let's take intimacy off the table because it's too painful for me. That's perfectly understandable. And that's, that's okay. The, again, the goal is let's focus on the triggers and heal so we can then put intimacy back on because that's a part so often for many women. It's, it's a part of their relationship that they want too, but they don't want it when there are triggers, which again, I would feel the same way. So to summarize all of that, focusing on creating safety is how you can ultimately build a foundation where intimacy can be meaningful and connected. Situation number three is, or or area where intimacy breaks down, the third situation is when a negative meaning is created out of why, uh, how do I describe this? When there's a negative meaning that you attach to the breakdown of intimacy. So this applies both ways to both husbands and wives. I shared with you a little bit earlier about some of the meanings that a wife makes Uh, when she gets triggered. So if she gets triggered and thinks about the things that he has seen in the past and the meaning she makes is, I'm not enough for him. He's comparing me and I'm coming up short. That's the meaning. That's the story she's telling herself. As Brene Brown says, she likes to use the word story, right? The, The way that you're perceiving an experience. And so these meanings that we make control how we feel. Because how could she not feel fear if she thought he's comparing me and judging me and I'm falling short? There's no way she can't feel fear. So what we want to do is really slow down in those moments to identify what is the meaning that we're putting on this? What's the story we're telling ourselves? I've worked with lots of men where if the wife says no, she doesn't want to be intimate, the meaning Uh, So let me go to the reaction first, right? Because there's a meaning which creates a feeling which creates a reaction. So if the wife says no, he then shuts down. He then gets defensive or angry. He starts to get upset or attacks or blames. And in order for you to recognize why that happens, the key is found in the meaning. And so many men that I work with will say, if my wife says no, that she doesn't want to be intimate, the meaning is, I'm not enough for her. Or the meaning is, she doesn't really love me that much. Or the meaning is, I'm not important to her, therefore she's saying no. When he has those meanings, that's painful. It feels like rejection. It feels like there is inadequacy there. It feels like there's a sense of unworthiness there. And when people feel rejected and unworthy and inadequate, that's when our protection shows up. And the protection is fight or flight, right? Our, our mammalian brain, we as human beings are mammals. We don't have that many defense mechanisms. It's fight or flight, right? Or I guess freeze. And so often the flight is how a husband responds, shuts down, gets defensive, pulls away, avoids, or flight, or, or I'm sorry, or fight, which is blame, criticize, attack, get louder, anger. So, 
the meaning controls all of that or heavily influences it at the very least. And so what we want to do is start to identify if these negative reactions are happening, there's something going on underneath the surface. The event that just happened landed wrong on that person. And so how to resolve it, again, is not to avoid intimacy. It's not to avoid conversations. In fact, it's the opposite. We want to lean in and understand what's going on because we want to heal at the core level. And this is how you can do that is understand why and then address it. The same thing is true for her. The meaning, and I shared with you in that first example there, some of the meanings that she has, not enough, you know, all the stuff that comes up there. The goal, my suggestion to you, is after you've reflected on why that happens, it's to then have conversations around those things and start to challenge those meanings. Because if the husband can go to his wife and say, I just, when you say no, the message that it sends me is that I'm not enough for you that you're not really attracted to me and that this part of the relationship doesn't matter to you, which is scary for me because this is how, this is one of the ways I know how to connect with you. And so in that moment, she can then clarify and offer reassurance for him. And she can say, and the reassurance comes in the form of clarification. She can say, you know, I, I get where you're coming from. And the reason why I say no isn't because you're not enough. It's not because you're not attractive to me. It's because I'm scared. And I'm scared that if this happens, there are going to be these, it'll ultimately result in a fight. Something will happen. There will be a breakdown. And I just can't stand to fight about this anymore. It's too painful. Or she might say, listen, this is an important part of her. This is an important part of the relationship. I agree. I'm not in a position to do this right now because of how much pain I am. I'm in. I don't feel like there's enough trust yet. I feel so hurt by all of the past. Therefore, if you want to work through this with me and have a, a, an, a, an intimate relationship where we do feel connected, I need to work through this hurt. I need you to understand me. I need you to do the things necessary to rebuild trust. Or however the conversation goes, that's the direction that, they want, that we want to be moving in is having those types of talks. Because when you can start to challenge the meaning, when the husband hears, oh, it's not because I'm not enough for you. It's not because I'm unworthy. It's because you don't feel safe. Okay, like I can work with that. There's something I can do about that. I can have conversations with you. I can understand and I can work on drawing closer to you so you feel more safe. And I can do the things necessary to rebuild trust. Great, like I can handle that. If it's the, if the reason why you don't want to be intimate is because I'm not worthy, what do I do with that? You know, there's no, how, how do you move forward there? And again, the same thing is true for a wife. When she feels like she's not enough, if the husband can help her feel a sense of safety and that she is enough, and the reason why he turned to pornography in the first place wasn't because of her inadequacies, it was for other reasons. And when they have conversations together about that and he can share those reasons with her and he then actively works on the core of why he's struggling, that's a part of what creates reassurance and changes the meaning for her. So the point of these conversations truly is to change the meaning. And that happens again through conversation, through understanding, through reassurance, which brings you guys together in a different way, in a way that literally can never happen unless you address it directly. Time will not solve this. 
So I hope that as we talk about these three things, and again, there's more things that we can talk about on future episodes, specifics and situations and all that. But these are three principles that I've seen be tremendously helpful. And so I would encourage you over the next week to try to pay attention to some of the concerns that you have around intimacy and start having conversations in a way that you can resolve them by doing some of the things that we've talked about today. And so I know this is a really difficult part of the healing process for many people. So I encourage you to just take your time. There's no rush with this. And in fact, rushing it and trying to push through triggers and just kind of force yourself through them, hoping that it gets better, it doesn't work and it actually makes the process go slower. So I would encourage you to take your time, have lots of conversations and come together in the ways that we've discussed in this episode, which ultimately is the way that you can find a sense of healing.